A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello World Game Changers, wherever you may be in the world. Today I am joined by three people that I am very honoured to call close personal friends as well as World Game Changers colleagues and they are in alphabetical order uh, and in truth British or should I say world time honoured fashion ladies first Amy Moscow from the United States of America California a very close friend as well Kristen Johnson from the same backyard and also Martin Leifeld from St. Louis Missouri so ladies and gentlemen very warm welcome to you all Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, I don't know, let's say listeners or readers, there's got to be a kind of hybrid word there in in there somewhere, reader list, lister reads. Um, Anyway, let's not digress. Um, Where do we start with this? Where do we start with this, this title of World Game Changers Leadership in Action? Because that's what this focus, this conversation, this dance is all about, is leadership. But that's such a broad topic, and it's been my immense pleasure to serve alongside the three, the three people I've named, and in general in life, but also particularly within World Game Changers. So maybe it's appropriate to start, Martin, with you as our chairman, because I know you you might uh, you might have sort of delved into the subject of leadership in your professional life. I'm led to believe. Do you want to start us off on this topic of leadership? Well, sure, Paul. I'm happy to do that. And I'm, I'm honored to share the podcast with uh, you and Chris and Amy today. Uh, again, three people I respect immensely. Um, well, I think leadership starts with a leader. You have to, everyone's a leader. I, listen, I think it's like, as we've talked about, everyone is a world game changer. Well, every human being is a leader too. Uh, you can't help but lead, even if you lead people in the wrong directions. But we all have the, have the gift of influence. We have the ability to influence others, and by exercising our personalities, ourselves, our talents, that you know whether we're aware of it or not, provides leadership. It provides direction, or it pre- presents choices to people. So I think the idea that everyone is a leader is is important. So then it becomes, well, what do we do with it? And uh, well, we want to we want to grow as a leader, right? So I think when I think about leadership. Leadership starts with a commitment to accept that you're a leader or that you can influence the world for the better and then to develop yourself so that you can have, you know, virtuous and great impact. Uh, There's certainly lots of people leading uh, the world in wrong directions or mixed directions or confusing directions today. And uh, there's never been more of a need, I think, than uh, extraordinary leaders that are, that lead virtuously, that lead as as uh, has been developed this concept of servant leadership. Uh, so, you know, servant leadership puts the primacy on developing people and and accomplishing goals together, as opposed to autocratic kind of old school leadership with an iron fist and that sort of thing. So it's a different model. 
and it's empowering others to lead, uh, you know, as you serve uh, an organization, serve a mission and so on. So those are just some thoughts to get us going. Mm, thank you, Martin. Ladies, leadership, what is it? What is leadership through your eyes and your experience and your model of the world? Well, leadership to me begins with awareness, a heightened level of awareness. And I think going back to what Martin said, there are degrees of leadership. There's responsible leadership and mindless leadership. And, um, and I think really, of course, we're all, we're always looking to better ourselves. I mean, that's the, the inner desire is to always better ourselves. So, so to become a responsible leader, it requires that you expand your level of awareness. Um, so to me, that's kind of like the cornerstone of leadership. And that's how I see uh, where the leadership story begins. Mm. Kristen? I agree 100% with what Amy and Martin said. I think that there are so listen, we're all we are all leaders in our own way. We are leaders within our families. We are leaders within our places of work. We are leaders uh, in our communities. We are leaders in the local uh, sports team and or church, what what have you. There's all kinds of kinds of leadership, and leadership is not just getting elected to office or who raises the most money or who. Sometimes the person it, that has the most influence is not the person with the biggest title or the loudest voice. Sometimes there's someone that, and I've been in groups and situations where where people that you wouldn't think would be leaders are the people that people look to. The, the, it's all about trust. What comes up to me, up for me, uh, in the various situations that I've experienced in looking at uh, what's going on in the world in general is trust. And I think that when people trust someone, it, it's that's everything. And it's not just a question of blindly following someone, it's trust. It's also about trusting yourself. Real leadership is about trusting yourself, which is a very hard thing for us to do, right? Because we all have difficulty trusting ourselves and we all have difficulty, you know, stepping into that and, and taking those big decisions. But to trust ourselves and to more importantly, to trust other people is a huge leap. It's one of the most simple and complex things that we'll ever do just to fully trust each other and to trust that we are all rowing on the same team in the same direction. Mm. What's fascinating listening to these three different perspectives on leadership, it kind of took me back to when I was doing uh, my, taking my first tentative steps into management in the early to mid 80s. And I did a management course, a 12 month management course. And I was taught and it's, it's interesting how this has stayed with me after all these years. There are three types of leadership, autocratic democratic and laissez-faire and just i mean how times have changed and people to use your word amy people's awareness have changed because just to try and neat and tidily put it into three separate boxes one might say autocratic on the left democratic on the right with laissez-faire maybe somewhere in between 
I mean, it just sounds ludicrous now, doesn't it, to to try and and I know that we as a quartet are massively into simplification, but blimey, isn't that simplification too too far gone, too far gone? But anyway, um, I just share that for what it's worth and how times have changed and how we learn and grow as leaders because we get more levels of awareness that influences our thoughts. You know, we be, become inspired by mentors people that um was it martin luther king that said because i've stood on the the shoulders of giants i can see further i'm paraphrasing there but something to that effect um and and that's very much around leadership as well so having kind of done that intro around the what is leadership i'm going to ask what might appear and i know martin certainly in your opening um dialogue in, in your opening words there you kind of addressed it but i why is it important? They say there's no such thing as a silly question. Why is leadership important? Why, why don't we just kind of progress and work off, you know, what we think is right? And, you know, I suppose I'm going into the more autocratic approach here. But why is leadership, brackets, good leadership, so important? Are you directing that at me, Paul? Any, anyone at all. Okay. Anyone at all. <laughs> Well, if I may, um, I, I think leadership is so important because we, we thrive when we're in a structured environment. And that's not to say that we have to map out every single detail before we take a step forward because we're creative beings. We're meant to use our creativity, but we need some sort of container, or I should say we feel more comfortable with some sort of structure or container within which to operate. So I think that's one of the reasons, at least, why leadership is so important, um, because of structure. Mm. And I think to build on that structure, Amy, I think that um, there's a there's definitely a difference between that autocratic, uh, to use your word, Paul, structure where where every little you can't think for yourself and challenging the, if you will, the the accepted order, the status quo is not is not welcome and where people automatically freeze out descending voices. That's not the structure we're talking about. We're talking about a, a structure, a space for people to people to grow because real leaders aren't threatened when people grow. Uh, I read something that about mentorship because I've been a mentor, I've been a mentee. And in terms of being a mentor and, and mentee, I read something that said great uh, mentors aren't threatened when their when their mentees grow, and great leaders want their people to grow because that's good for everyone. And you can always tell somebody who is truly insecure in their power when when they are threatened by the slightest dissension. So leadership is absolutely essential. Good leadership is absolutely essential because then everyone's voices are, are heard and everyone can grow and discover their true potential. Mm. Anything to add, Martin? Um, maybe this moves in a little bit different direction, but one of the things that I was thinking of is, well, you know, we apply our leadership in different contexts. And that shapes how we think about leadership. I'll give you two very clear examples, and you know, would be family versus an organization. 
well, family in one sense is an organization, but it's, you know, and it has a structure, doesn't it? And there is leadership built in. And yet when you think about a, a well-functioning family, you would think about, well, uh, everyone has a voice. Uh, there's a spirit of cooperation for a family to work together, right? There's a willingness to forgive and not hold grudges. Um, it's about mutual support. And you'd like to think a, a well-functioning family is undergirded by love. That's the basis. That's the foundation. And it, as Kristen, you mentioned trust, which is certainly um, manifesting love. And you think about, you know, more, well, whether it's a for-profit or non-profit uh, or organization, well, then their leadership suggests direction. There's a certain, there can be consensus leadership, but there's still a certain, a certain top-down sense about it because there has to be structure given. There has to be agreed upon goals, but there has to be goals. Uh, and <clears throat> there's a sense of mission and desired outcomes. So that's undergirded more by a, the, the, the mission. And so that calls forth a different kind of leadership, don't you think, than versus the family leadership. And what's curious, and I'm thinking about this, is when I think about our world game changers unfolding organization as a startup, if you will, uh, was it Spunky Startup, Kristen, that you used as a uh, back in the day? I forget exactly your phrase, but uh, what was it, Kristen? Do you remember? Uh, scrappy Startup, which were we no longer are. Yeah. Well, yeah, yes, but in some ways, maybe we are. Um, but uh, you know, with World Game Changers, we always talk about ourselves as a family. So we're family first. And yet we also have this desire to change the world as a family by the various things we're already committed to. And then together as an organization, what might we do? And so, you know, and we're continuing to work and clarify, well, what is it exactly we should be doing and not be doing, right? We're, we're trying things on for size. Um, you know, we're, you know, as somebody uh, once said, well, in a startup, fail fast, right? But fail forward. In other words, try things out, and if they don't work, be willing to put them aside, but fail forward in the sense that you want to learn from those failures, might be even the wrong word, but you know what I mean, attempts that didn't work out. Learn from them and adopt accordingly, get clearer on what your true mission is. And in some respects, I think that's where we're almost sitting as world game changers, organizationally, is we're, uh, we're significantly a family. We don't want to lose that sense of being family together. At the same time, we have this passion to want to extend the family to the ends of the earth, if you will. Mm, beautiful. And that nicely segues into World Game Changes, because, the, you know, as already flagged up at the top of this conversation, this is around World Game Changes, leadership in action. So I suppose that also nicely dovetails as well into the how can we be more in fact let's park that how can we be more even more effective because you kind of just flirted with the answer there martin but hold that thought towards the end so let's i think it's very worthwhile to share on this um on this conversation be it in podcast form audio or be it the transcribed into the blessed beyond belief book but some of the leadership challenges that we faced you know there's four people on this on this dance, on this conversation, that were kind of more or less there from day one with World Game Changes. So very, very well placed to, you know, 
please forgive the cliche, share to some degree the warts and all that's evolved, you know, the pain at times with leadership. Because I've certainly lost count of, you know, people that are not or people that are taking those first tentative steps in leadership, like I did many, many moons ago when I learned those three, you know, apparently those three types of leadership. But it's very grandiose. It's very romantic. It's very sexy. Oh, I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to be this. But actually, there's a massive responsibility with it, isn't it? And it's sometimes not quite and pretty and, and as silky smooth as people that haven't uh, cut the teeth in leadership might believe, be led to believe. So I just want to share, if we may, this this journey that we've been on over the last three years, because this is leadership in action. And, and you know, please forgive me for repeating, but some of the warts and all, and we'll use our discretion on where we go with that, of course. Warts. Kristen, Kristen, can I start with you on that one? I think that I think that um, without getting too much in, into into details, I think that one of the things was that in the beginning we were all locked down in this in the pandemic. That's where this really started. That's we started with the book, but it also started with us all being locked down and feeling a desire to make a difference, and uh, and I think that that really solidified the core of us certainly us four but and also bringing others on board that that were there from the get-go and and have been and others that came later but paul you said to me early on that people will get on the bus people will get off the bus and that's fine i mean you said that that's one of your favorite sayings and as well as a Brian Clough, everybody's oh, everybody contributes from the chairman to the tea lady. I think uh, the challenge generally in any organization is that you have a lot of people that want to be the chairman or think they're the chairman, and um, but they end up, you know, kind of not doing the work that it takes to uh, make a startup or they or, or to make this thing fly, and. I think that was a. I think that was a challenge, uh, finding finding people and good people and vetting them and having that trust. And not everybody was a great fit. Not everybody was aligned. And sometimes you don't. We'd love to say, oh, we can spot who's a good person who's proven themselves, whatever, from day one. But the sad fact is, we all have blinders. We all have perceptions. We all have. Oh, such and so and so supports this sports team, or so and so uh, was recommended, or so on. And um, it's it's kind of it's a vetting process, and you really don't know. And I know from my own journey, uh, working in my the work that I do, that you don't always know who people are until I know that Maya Angelou has said when people tell you who they are the first time, believe them, but sometimes they sing a different tune. And it, it took us a while to realize that. The second challenge, I think, is that the world was one that you wouldn't think would be a challenge, because the world opened up after the after the pandemic. And that core of us started to started to expand. And we started to um, look, okay, what do we want to be when 
with this movement. We knew the general goal. We knew the general goal. Everyone is a world game changer. Bring the world game changers out. But we had so many ideas. And I think the challenge, uh, it's like writing a book. You have so many ideas, but you can only really focus on one. And you have to be very clear about that vision. And I think we had a lot of wonderful visions, but it just we just needed to crystallize them. And we just really needed to, like we were talking about not recently, get back to basics and realize what made us so powerful. I think sometimes it's easy from for an organization to get lost along the way chasing, you know, chasing what they think they should want if that if any of that makes sense it all makes sense shiny pennies comes to mind on your aspect there Kristen, and also something that you said uh yeah. and i think it was you that introduced us to this martin and it's on the uh on the world game changes website from Mar the margaret mead quote and i'm paraphrasing now because i can't remember it verbatim but along the lines of never doubt that a small group of committed inspired individuals can change the world indeed it's the only thing that ever has and that mm. kind of you know it's been one of the most profound statements i've heard not just within my three years within world game changes but in my life because i really fervently believe that is true yeah just to add a point a comment to Kristen. you know a great summary you know your reflection there so whether it's people that have come and gone or it's been activities tried and stopped. There's a certain human toll that I have experienced as a leader. And that is because I, I assign attachment, right? I assign affection to people. I off, I give myself, I entrust myself and accept them as being trustworthy. That's a given. And with, with activities, you know, I, I sign off on the activities. Sometimes I'm responsible or, or I'm, you know, uh, the point person for responsibility and comes with that energy and excitement and time and, and, and you know, some sacrifice, right, in order to try and get something going. And then whether our relationship doesn't work out for oftentimes the best of reasons, not the worst, or whether an activity doesn't work out perhaps for the best of reasons, there's a certain human toll. There's a sense of loss that accompany the, accompanies those things. And so I think maybe that's part and parcel with the scrappy startup kind of phase in that um, people come and go, activities come and go as you try and kind of navigate your way to that, 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 that group of people that can be both family and so structured as to accomplish good together. Mm. It's very interesting uh, what you said there, Martin, because when you look at world game changes and the energy that it that binds us together, certainly as that core, uh, whatever that number may be, and I'm not certainly not going to pre-frame that by saying it's X or Y or Z, but, you know, over time, and I think it's like any natural organic growth of a relationship where love grows. And that's, for me, what's what's happened despite the tears and tantrums the joy the elation the whole myriad of emotions but for me personally um as one of the leaders within this amazing family to invest that emotion that love in people is is really the kind of is the ticket price that needs to be paid 
And as you alluded to, Martin, quite rightly, um, and I think there's a great lesson for us here in life in general. You know, we can have that cautiousness. Well, I'm not going to give my emotion away. I'm not going to give this away. Well, OK, that cautiousness holds us back. But it can be a very can be a very tough place to be when that relationship does. And, and I know, Amy, you've got, you know, you've got kind of in-depth thoughts around the word expectation because you and I have spoke about this many times. But, you know, from a human point of view, there's this expectation that and I'm not calling it a tit for tat investment. But when you really put something into somebody because you believe in that person and it doesn't work out for whatever reason, you know, the nice approach to it is, well, you know, that's one of those things. The more human reality is, ouch, that really hurts. So we have to factor, we have to kind of put on these suits of armour, don't we? Which is actually quite paradoxical when you are warriors of love, to quote that phrase. I don't know, it just struck me as this kind of diverse paradox of, but you won't break me because there's so much love inside that it's what I'm called to do. But it doesn't stop me crying either when, you know, when things go wrong. Yeah. Well, and I think that point is is well taken. Um, but I've noticed, too, that, you know, I've been observing how people respond to leadership over the years through world game changers and just through the pandemic. Like there have been so many changes in this world. And and that's one thing it, that's really significant. You know, it used to be we'd turn on the news, we'd, we'd watch it and we'd see these polished individuals delivering us stories. Right. No, there was no slip of the tongue. Everything was perfect. Right now we're in a situation because technology has evolved where people, leaders are emerging. They're not perfect. They're human beings. They're, they're putting videos up on the various social media channels. They're not editing. They're human beings. And they're, they're exhibiting this authenticity, which I think I, I have noticed that people are really embracing that. It's instilling a higher level of trust in leadership. Um, but, you know, on the other side of the coin, and to speak to what you were saying, Paul, about how, okay, you know, maybe in leadership positions, we have to acknowledge that we're human as, you know, we're, we're human. And I think that's something that we all have in common. We can all relate to that. We all have feelings. Um, so I think the idea that, you know, bringing some of this humanness into leadership is is embraced by the by an audience or a group that you're connecting with is really important. You know, you do have feelings when there's an event and a you know something happens and a person leaves an organization when you've invested a lot of time in the relationship and now you're not going to be communicating with them, you're not going to be working with them anymore. That you feel that, right? It's okay to show it. A little bit. I mean, of course, again, being mindful and, and you know, um, and, and really embracing that leadership position is important. Diplomacy is very important. But to be human as a leader is okay. That's okay. It's becoming much more acceptable. And not only is it becoming much more acceptable, it's becoming expected. Mm -hmm. There's almost, uh, as you were speaking there, Amy, a phrase coming to my own mind. There's almost a, maybe a new a, a new type. To add to the three that uh, prevailed from the early 80s, maybe there's a fourth. I'm sure there's a 44th um, called vulnerable leadership. Vulnerable leadership, because mm -hmm. this, uh, I mean, I know we're into kind of Brenny Brown territory here, 
Um, but there's, yeah, you know, I see it and I feel it within myself. I see it with people around me, how they're prepared to kind of put their heart on the line for the betterment of others. And that takes an immense strength, doesn't it? Because, you know, with that goes certainly goes a judgment. Oh, you didn't say that, did you? Or you didn't speak about that, did you? Well, there's nothing new on this planet. The fact that some, you know, some t topics or subjects are labelled taboo, sensitive, whatever you, and then people go there and then they speak about those topics in their own experience. I personally feel that the world's now is, is demanding, or demanding is not the right word, but expecting more of that. Because we are in, um, we're entering, if we haven't already significantly entered, a different paradigm completely. And so that old guard of leadership for me is, uh, and I do come from that backyard. I mean, that's kind of where initially yeah. I served my time. So, you know, I, and I think we're all kind of, all four of us on this call are, yeah, we're around the 30 mark, 30 plus mark. So we're probably well qualified to what? offer that sort of <laughs> I never said I was good at maths. I never said I was a math. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting how, yet again, not only of the types of leadership, but the energy that goes with leadership, how that's changed. I've certainly witnessed that, the energy change in leadership over, over the last, more so, I think, over the last decade. Any thoughts about that, anyone? Well, one thing that strikes me about that excellent point, Paul, is uh, people people want uh, vulnerability, they want honesty, and they also want opportunity. And so, you know, the vulnerable, trusting leader empowers others, helps people find, uh, uh, you know, a, a if it's a larger organization, opportunities within the organization. If, if it's a small organization, the leader thinks that person's ready for a bigger opportunity, they encourage and, and champion and, you know, reach out to others, uh, you know, uh, around that perhaps could benefit from an employee that, you know, would in one sense be hard to let go of. Uh, but this whole, there's an expectation, I think, among employ employees uh, and certainly young, the younger generations that, I, I want to be a leader. I want to grow as a leader. I want to have as great an impact as possible. How, what are you going to do to help me get there? What will this organization help me do to get there? Because I do care about my time and energy and my opportunity here. What can I do? And so that takes a different, you know, that, that takes the vulnerability of a leader. That takes the trusting of the leader. And that takes us out this requirement. It can't be top down. It's got to be much more holistic in the sense of how can everybody progress within the organization? And I think that's what makes for a, uh, you know, another way of describing a happy uh, organization and an organization where the people will stand by leaders in tough times. Mm. Well, and a, a vulnerable leader as well is accessible. You know, it used to be in the old paradigm that leadership was, you know, it was, uh, it promoted exclusivity. You know, a leader sat on a pedestal and, um, you know, those who were following had no real access to the leader. But I think a vulnerable leader becomes much more accessible when you show your human qualities and you show that you, you really do, you have care and connection for those you are helping to lead. I think it makes you much more accessible. Mm. 
Kristen, the vulnerable leader. I agree with that. And I think we both follow the work of Simon Sinek. He, he said that we all follow the work of Simon Sinek, I think. He said something along the lines of people don't necessarily care about the, about the credentials. I mean, they're nice, they're important, but the experience and uh, the qualifications are important. But sometimes they will trust, I believe the example he gave was, they will trust the 16-year-old that's uh, in their neighborhood that they know really well to babysit their children rather than some lady that has uh, on a website or from an agency that has a bunch of degrees in child development, just because that trust and that vulnerability is there. And there's, there's a huge, uh, there's something to be said for the person that you know, and the person that you've seen warts and all to use a phrase that, so a few minutes ago, someone that uh, whose whose heart you know. So I think that vulnerable leadership, especially in social media, the one thing that people can't forgive is um, is the facade and the hypocrisy because those facades have been revealed. I mean, it's one thing to project strength and um, and a good and decisiveness and things like that that's not the same as a facade we all know uh have examples of hypocrisy people saying one thing and doing another especially in leadership whether it's political um entertainment sports business what have you so that hypocrisy is something that people are not really wanting to tolerate they want that authenticity they want people that are willing to show all of themselves. And that's uh, that's something that is becoming more evident in social with so, the rise of social media, with television, with people being able to talk directly to the people without the middleman. Because it, it used to be that you couldn't communicate and it wasn't acceptable for people to really connect with directly with people. So I think that vulnerable leadership is really important and the power mm. of storytelling. The power of storytelling. The um, What humorously was flashing through my mind towards the tail end of what you was imparting there, Kristen, was whenever the topic and, and uh, you know, listeners, you'll back this, you'll bear this out on previous episodes, but whenever the word vulnerability gets mentioned, it's usually a trigger for me to to start to burst out in song. But I won't do that <laughs> on this occasion. I won't do that. Or maybe I will watch this space. But as we're coming towards the close of this, this fascinating dance between the four of us, it's almost like, um, I don't know. I don't know why I'm saying this because I know nothing about dancing, but it's almost like a gentleman's excuse me because we keep changing uh, the ideas, the energy, the thoughts around the dance floor, the metaphoric dance floor. But um, I alluded to about 10, 15 minutes ago around the, you know, the how, you know, we, we started by having a look at the what and then we dived into the, the why, why is leadership. I want to kind of bring this to a close now, if I may, around the how and the how in terms of is there anything that we can do generally to pass on advice or guidance or support to our listeners, stroke readers 
But then even more specifically, so it's, you know, there's two parts to this question. What is it that we can do to hold each other accountable as world game changer leaders? How, how can we become better leaders? I think we become better leaders by listening more than speaking. I think really listening is um, one of the hallmarks of leadership. It speaks to awareness. It speaks to, um, to, to really connecting with what people need from you as a leader. So as my mother used to say, and I know I've quoted her before, maybe in one of our other podcasts, she said, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> use oh. your ears twice as much as you use your mouth. <laughs> and I always loved that. It really, that really stuck with me. Yeah. I used to try and practice in my, in both my leadership and in my relating to um, constituents, the 80-20 rule that listen 80% of the time. And, you know, and speak or respond 20% of the time. And I think, you know, there's there's a huge need and desire in this world to be heard. People want to be listened to because there's so much noise, you don't get heard. And when someone, to your point, uh, Amy, is willing to be present and listening, that means so much to people. And what that does, if, if we want to build trust, that's perhaps the quickest avenue to trust is to listen wholeheartedly to someone and, and respect them for who they are, whatever it is they're disclosing, maintain respect. Um, you know, that talk about a, a powerful bridge there in listening. And I think the maybe the acid test is, how do we make people feel as leaders? Do they feel welcome? Do they feel respected? Do they feel that they can come to you as a leader? You know, what do people say when you're not there about you, right? It, what, what are, what's the language that's used that says a whole lot about, you know, if only we could somehow tape that or somebody tape it and say, here, have it. And I think maybe that's what the attempt around the 360 evaluation review process is, is to get a holistic view as you an employee or you as a leader. But anyway, I think people want to feel respected loved, listened to, trusted, have an opportunity to give of themselves in a way for them that's life-giving, to explore their opportunity, to explore what, what they're made of, right? Uh, and to become all they can possibly be using work or whatever the organization is, the context, you know, to help them go further faster. Mm. That reminds me, Kristen, you mentioned earlier and Maya Angelou. Um, and, um, and I think I think it was Maya Angelou that, uh, you know, just to sort of align with what Martin said, that um, was, was uh, responsible for the phrase, people will always forget about what you've said, but they'll never forget how you've made them feel. And that speaks to that love that we all have, no matter how much we wear the mask, you know, the facade of, you know, self-protection, etc. So that, um, I felt that quite poignantly there, quite poignantly. So any other thoughts, any other thoughts as we, uh, as we come to a close? Yes, I, I I love what Amy said about our mother. My mother, my late mom had a similar saying, she said, 
uh, you already know what you know. Uh, listen to find out what other people know. And Martin, when you were talking about about um, what people want in a leader, it's also to be inspired. It is to be heard, seen, listened to, but it's also we're looking for truly inspiring leadership. That's what we're trying to do here at World Game Changers, to inspire others to realize that they are World Game Changers already. Mm. So there you have it, listeners. And I alluded to maybe a song. Um, that's not going to happen, but there is a humor alert here that I'd like to share. So I'll give you a few seconds to get your head around because apparently my humor is um, doesn't go down too well. But I'm going to I'm, I'm undeterred. I'm, I'm resolute. I'm resilient, if nothing else. Not a bad trait to have as a leader, apparently. But I want to quote the late, great Brian Clough. As, I mean, the man, in my humble opinion, was a master philosopher. He was, he was a genius well ahead of his time. And it was no coincidence that he had the monumental success that he had in, in, in the football world. Um, and Cluffy's take upon leadership as amongst men, Cluffy had something to say about everything, no matter what it was. I think he even had a conversation with the greatest, in my humble opinion, the greatest heavyweight boxing champion of all time, Muhammad Ali, one of your fellow Americans, about teaching Ali how to box. And <laughs> which was quite something. Um, but for me, Cluffy had a saying around leadership. So, you know, his players had come into his office on a Monday morning and moaned that they didn't get picks on Saturday or they thought because they keep scoring goals, they're worth a pay rise. And Cluffy's take on it was this. We'd talk about it for two minutes and then decide I was right. <laughs> <laughs> and on that... Um, my humour must be getting better, listeners. And uh, on that note, I, I propose. So, any final thoughts? Any final comments in thirty seconds for for each of us as as we come to a final close? Amy, Kristen, and Martin. Any final thoughts at all? I'd just like to reinforce the idea that we are all leaders. Martin said it. Kristen said it. Paul, you've said it multiple times. We are all leaders in our own right. Thank you. And, and we are all uh, working for that beautiful word, unity. And I think we need to own ourselves as leaders and develop ourselves as leaders through formal and informal kind of training and opportunities in order to be increasingly impactful and in service to the world. Amy, Kristen, Martin, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the professionalism, the experience, the wisdom, but most of all, the love that you, on a professional level, bring to World Game Changes. But I am going to be vulnerable, and I thank you for the bottom of my heart on this podcast. And I've done this personally with you as individuals, as you know, and never, ever will apologize for keep doing that. I think you're an amazing, amazing set of people. And when it comes to leadership, you guys really do inspire me. So thank you so much. The feeling is mutual. Thank you, Paul. Likewise. Thank you so much. I love this group, too. You're here. And on that note, listeners, I think all that remains is for us to sign off in true leadership style, the way we always do, by saying, remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? 
thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? <laughs>